You're listening to the Padawan Perspective Podcast, a multi-generational Star Wars experience. Brought to you by the Star Wars Report 2nd Airborne Division Podcast Network. With your hosts, Mark, Barrett, Taylor, and Farrow. Join us as we discuss the Rebels TV show on Disney XD, as well as Star Wars fandom across the galaxy. Of the Star Wars Report's original Rebels Roundtable comes the Padawan Perspective, a multi generational podcast covering the latest Star Wars news and commentary. From Star Wars television shows to the live action films, the Padawan Perspective has a point of view on them all. Hey, welcome to the Padawan Perspective, your multi generational podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Erleman, and joining me today, we've got my daughters, Taylor Jade and Jaina Sophia, as well as my son, Gavin as well as Baron and his son, Pharaoh, and some special guests. But real quick, let's go around the room here. Taylor, go ahead and say hello. What's up? Gavin, go ahead and say hi. Hi. And Jaina, this is my four-year-old, by the way, if you're wondering why this one's so quiet. Hi. Oh, we have a bunch of Padawans on the show today. I love it. Happy to be here. You know, I, I feel like that episode of the uh, Padawans with the uh, lightsaber when they went to Ilum on the Clone Wars. Like, I feel like that droid right now surrounded by little Padawans wanting to build lightsabers. Like, the, the little one on my right, she's just itching to grab this microphone out of my hand and start talking Star Wars Rebels. And I don't know if you guys have known this from my other podcast, but with Jaina, anything Star Wars is Star Wars Rebels. So the fact that we're actually talking Star Wars Rebels means she knows what she's talking about for once. So, Farrah, how you doing tonight, man? We haven't uh, seen you in about, what, two weeks has been? It feels like just yesterday, but I know it's been a while. It, it has been a while, and it's good to be back. What we've got tonight, too, is uh, a, a special promo. As everyone knows, Gavin's on the show and Jaina's on the show. Uh, Gavin hasn't had a chance to be introduced properly. Uh, we did talk about Gavin being part of the show, and with this episode, he was really excited. So, Gavin, everyone coming on the show, they talk about what's one of the things that they do outside their fandom. And I can see the absolute terror on your face even though i told you multiple times beforehand that this question was coming gavin is a football player and a boy scout let the audience know what that entails for you what's that like i go on adventures troop 122 he is in uh, troop 122 and what kind of things do you do as a scout i sell stuff we go and like play games after meetings we earn badges and go to summer camp Excellent, excellent. And what do you do in football? We tackle, and then we play games, and then we do drills and play um, the plays. And what's your position? Receiver for offense, well, sub for silver. And um, uh, for defense, I'm a corner and also somewhat a free safety. Yeah, actually, he's been doing free safety a lot more. Uh, and we know uh, Jaina, or uh, Taylor, she does dance. Jaina, on the other hand, just started doing dance and is now in kindergarten or preschool, actually. She just started preschool. What's that like, Jaina? Do you like preschool? Yeah. And and outside of dance, you started dancing now and you do dance. Is that fun, too? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Jaina, you like Star Wars Rebels. Is that correct? Yeah. And who's your favorite character on Star Wars Rebels? The deepest, the purple-haired. 
Sabine with the purple hair. And and so she gave us the why. She was ready. She was prepared. So that's Jaina. She's four. She's not going to have much to say, but she's very excited to be here. And with that, back to you, Baron. Oh, man. Younglings. Not only do we have Padawans on the show this tonight, but we have younglings. And I can just see Jaina. Master Skywalker? No, 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 no. Oh my god, that scene would have probably been a little more brutal if it would have been a little girl. Oh man, I probably that's why they didn't put in a little girl. Mr. Skywalker. Yeah, but <laughs> like this one, like I, I think I would have been just openly bawling. Like that that actually comes up a lot as to, you know, killing younglings. Like, is that like the ultimate damning sin for Darth Vader? Do you think, Taylor, that Darth Vader should have been redeemed because he killed younglings? Do you think that's a good enough reason for the force to make him look young at the end of episode six? Or do you think he should be burning in some hell for murdering all those little children? Well, if it was in like actual real life. Oh, totally, totally. We're going real life. Uh, then yeah, I would think he should <laughs> go to like jail or something like that. I wouldn't say burn in hell though. Okay, so 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 you just want him to suffer for a long time, but but you don't want him off the hook. You're like you're like, like the force. So so when Vader dies, you're thinking like he shouldn't be rewarded with a young visage. He should be just left to burn in 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 the Hades because we're just gonna pretend Vader's gonna die because we know he dies. Should his soul be condemned to burning in in the afterlife or should he be re rewarded with a young Force ghost? Well, I feel like everybody's able to be like redeem themselves, but I don't think he should be rewarded. We're supposed to believe that's his redemption. Do you think that makes up for all the evil he did as Darth Vader? Tough to say. Tough to say. <laughs> he. Had a slight redemption, but I don't think it was big enough for killing all those innocent people. Gina, what about you? Do you think Vader should should burn for killing babies? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the four-year-old knows. I, I think Lucas had a hard sell to try to, to let us believe that he was redeemed by throwing him over the edge. And adding the nude just doesn't quite add any emotional relevance to me. I still don't buy it. You know, and the thing is, I'm kind of on the fence with it for him being redeemed. On one hand, not only did he kill the younglings at the end of episode three, but he killed all the children from the Raiders, the Tuscan Raider camp, too. And I guess nobody cares about the Tuscan Raiders because they're homeless people. I don't know. He did it before. He did it twice. And because of their off camera, I think that people are able to forgive him more. If we would have seen it on camera, I think it would have been a lot more brutal. Like definitely, if it would have been little girls instead of little Jedi boys. But at the same time, we just saw Vader not rat out a couple Jedi to Tarkin in Rebels. So maybe he started his path of redemption a lot sooner than we think he did. What do you guys think out there, listeners? Go ahead and let us know on the Facebook and Twitter lines out there. Shoot us some uh, messages back and let us know. Are we right? Are we wrong? Is there something we didn't think about? Is there another perspective you have or your Padawan? Let us know. I think we can all agree that Hayden Christensen should not be forgiven for that performance. <laughs> <laughs> and before we get into the show, we have a special guest with us. Uh, his name is Jacob. We actually went to the same school together, and we last year we're going to the same Star Wars club together. Yep. So you guys actually go to the same school now? Yeah. Yes, still. And we're in the Star Wars club at school. You guys have a Star Wars club at school? I know, right? Yeah, I know. It's amazing. You guys are some lucky Padawans. Yes, we are. Yeah, like us. All we have is like Pokemon clubs. That's what I would want. Jacob, what do you do outside of Star Wars fandom? 
I play mostly uh, a lot of Magic the Gathering. Do you have any sports that you're in? I don't play sports, but uh, I do some acting. Oh, acting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, acting. Anything we might have seen you in? Mission Impossible? Rogue One? Are you going to be in Rogue One? Uh, just just some school theater. Oh, school theater. Okay, that's great. So all around yeah. Padawans here. And how long have you been a Star Wars fan? Probably since I was born. Oh, that's a long time. That's a long time. 12 years. So are you ready to give us your perspective on this episode? Um, sure. All right. Why don't we jump into the episode? Taylor, I believe that you're going to give us the synopsis for this episode. It seems to be a short one this this year, this time. Yeah. The Holocrons of Fate is the first episode of the animated TV series Star Wars Rebels third season after the premiere movie. Star Wars Rebels it steps into the shadow. Official description reads, Maul returns to complete his dangerous plan, and the ghost crew is caught in the middle. Of a bomb. Boom, boom, boom. You know, what a short description for an episode that I feel had a lot of Star Wars in it and a lot of ramifications yeah. for Star Wars going future. Definitely Rebels. Had a lot of things to offer via a tiny description. Kidding me? That's it? Really? Like... This episode delivered on on levels that for me, you know, I'm a huge force philosophy guy. So for me, that was something that I really got a kick out of the relationship between Ezra and Kanan, especially. Uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, an episode that didn't deserve such a short description. It's one of the better episodes. Not that any of them are bad, but uh, I really did like the relationship with Kanan and Ezra. And I thought that it was just uh, an amazing episode with the return of Maul yet again. I know. I mean, isn't this awesome? I was just mentioning in the last episode, how cool is it that we get Tarkin basically as a supporting character? Yes. Now we have Maul who seems to be, I mean, when he was on the the season three episode artwork, the cover artwork, I was like, okay, Maul is like front and center here. It seems like he's going to be playing a huge role. I mean, come on, don't you guys want more Maul? He just looks so cool on screen, right? Of course, Maul. Yeah. Maul is cool in any everything, like the Star Wars movies, Clone Wars, Rebels now, but he's just cool in everything. He's a really cool character. Yeah, especially when the holocrons touched and the beam of light was affecting all their faces and making it turn like the negative color. Inverted colors. I'll buy a Maul. You, you didn't like Maul, though, right, Gavin? Explain, why don't you like Maul? He's a jerk. <laughs> he is a jerk does that mean you don't like me he's a cool looking jerk well now let me ask you Eva, what makes him such a jerk besides the fact that he's tried to kill Kanan now a couple times what, what, what makes him a jerk he kills people yes he does that's just about everybody though and you know what's sad is that last season when he, they reintroduced him as old master and he was helping Ezra and he could have dropped Ezra off the ledge. After Ezra had, had received the holocron, he could have just dropped him off the ledge and kept the holocron, but he didn't. And I wanted to believe that Maul is going to be a good guy. You know, I want to believe he could be an anti-hero. It's impossible. It's impossible. It's, it's, it's impossible. I mean, you have a character that looks like the devil, Padawans. <laughs> Would you ever be able to trust him? But he's taking advantage over Ezra. So Gavin, Gavin wouldn't buy into it. Gavin's, Gavin's going to judge that book by the cover. 
It depends, because he kind of confused me. Ezra was looking for all the Siths to die and stuff, and he asked Maul what he was looking for, and he said hope. So it's like, hope for what? <laughs> no, that was an interesting moment, because, yeah, that was when they're both seeking to lock the two holocrons together to unlock the knowledge. Maul is looking for hope, and Ezra's seeking destruction. He wants to destroy the Sith, and it was a very interesting place to have the Jedi looking for destruction and the Sith looking for hope. But it did make me wonder, though, immediately, like, okay, if you could take two holocrons from the opposing orders and apply them together and it unlocks all the secrets, why the heck didn't Sidious use Anakin, who was once a Jedi, to sit down and lock them together to learn the secrets of the Metachlorians and everything they were trying to do? Maybe Sidious didn't know. Maybe Rebels was made after the movies. Well, clearly that. <laughs> I think Maul was lying when he says he's looking for hope. Oh, you don't trust you don't trust Maul at all. You know, I agree with Gavin on that because when he said I'm looking for hope, is he, it more that he's looking for hope to to get back at his Sith masters, or is he looking at hope for himself, or do you think he's looking at? As hope as just a completely false word, and he's just using the word because he thinks it's what Ezra wants to hear. The last one, he thinks he won't, it, that's what Ezra wants to hear. And so you just don't you just don't trust him at all. So Gavin's mind's made up. What about you two? I personally think he was looking for his own hope. I don't think he really thought that Ezra wanted to hear that. Uh, yeah, I agree with you, Jacob. That he kind of was Thanks. trying to become. Uh, a better person even though deep down he was raised by the sith and he was raised by bad people but he's trying to become a good person and look for hope yeah that's that's what i felt he was looking for hope and ezra was looking for a key a, a truth on how to destroy the sith now let me ask you this when they put the two holocrons together, this is the first time we've actually seen this, right? I don't think I've even ever heard no. that you could put two holocrons together, whether it be two Jedi holocrons or two Sith holocrons. Is there any been anything like that in the Legends universe, Mark, that you know of? That's totally new. We've never had them working in that way. Uh, you know, and, and they mentioned that, I, I want to say it was the Bendu that says that they do more. It's, it's than, Bendu, yeah. Yeah, that was something that really jumped out. Though there was a Legends nod in the beginning of this. Uh, when we first see the transport under attack, that is the Old Republic Hammerhead class from the KOTOR game. KOTOR action right there. So when I saw that, I was immediately like, oh my god, that's so cool. Uh, you know, we just had the Rogue Friday, Force Friday sale, and I managed to get the Hot Wheels A-Wing from Rebels. And it is so cool. Like, I, I collect the TIE Fighters and the, the different... Uh, die cast and stuff and this one's different than the ones that you see in a new hope and in return of the jedi and stuff it's not as round it is more arrowhead shape it has that precursor feel to it uh but man yeah i was looking at that on the a-wing that they come in and it's even different than this one and i, I like the little subtle variations that they're doing with the models and stuff why is the jedi holocron square but the sith holocron triangular well, that's uh, that's a good question, and the reality there is it is hip to be square. <laughs> you know, isn't uh, a triangle, a red triangle, kind of with sharp edges, a little bit more evil than just an old square box? I don't know why. That is a good question. Why do you think it is? As a Padawan, and you see two holocrons, 
Why do you think they're different? Well, they just they looked at shapes and they thought that a triangle was extra pointy and if you make it red it looks just like an evil triangle. Well, but they, just, they can't be the same thing. They can't be the same shape. Why not? So they're, 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 the Jedi lightsaber crystals are the same shape. And, and they're both holocrons. Depend you had their own holocrons, and maybe theirs would be the circles then. That, that could be the case. Probably. Now, let me ask you, since we're talking about Darth Maul, Darth Maul really looked cool, didn't he? And oh, absolutely. <laughs> he, was, he was phenomenal. I loved, I loved the uh, animation. You know, a question I had with Darth Maul's looks, I, I've always wondered this, is, is Darth Maul's skin, is it like tattoos, or is it face paint, or is it just his skin? Because he comes from the the Darthamir. The planet Dathmir, right? Yeah, he comes from the planet Dathmir, so, and his brother comes from that planet, obviously, and his brother has the same, like, skin as him, so I'm wondering, is that just skin on that planet or is that face paint or <laughs> face tattooed paint. <laughs> i don't know well i feel like that if all our planets had a different type of species living on it we would all be looking different because of the atmospheres and stuff legends had a different take on it in legends they were always tattoos so much so that in 140 years later uh, Darth Krayt has this group called the One Sith, and they all actually mirrored themselves after Sidious's apprentice, Darth Maul's Sith tribal tattoos. Granted, that was later retconned, and they became Knight uh, Brothers tattoos. So they are still a tattoo. The question always comes down to then is, was their skin like black and they tattooed red pigments on it, or were their skin like red and then they went black? And then come Savage Opress, who has yellow skin, which is totally a different color than Maul's as well. Wait, wait, I have a question. That is in Legends, though. But in canon, when we got introduced to Savage Opress, who is Darth Maul's brother, all of those people had markings similar to Darth Maul. Are we still certain that they tattoos and that they're not born like that? Because canon, they were like that. They didn't say anything about tattoos in the Clone Wars when we got introduced to them. No, it, it did. It was in some of the books that came with the Clone Wars that it had established that. But granted, those books now are legends, even though they were basically complete write-ups of the episodes, synopsis and all. Uh, but no, they, they did establish, though, that, that they are now, they're no longer Sith tribal tattoos. They're Knight Brother tattoos. Uh, but we don't know anything beyond that as to how far the Knight Brothers went with it. But again, those are legends now. So there is no canon for why Darth Maul looks like that. No, just beyond what we see in the Clone Wars, because the Clone Wars is canon. You know, the, the background that they gave us beyond that is no longer. We just know what we saw in there. And there is nothing to say one way or the other in the episode. I mean, we could assume either direction. Hmm, good question, Padawan. What um species is Bendu the See that is a good question because the no Bendu in legends were like the Jedi and the Sith. They were an order unto themselves, and in a sense they were the early Jedi. Now this he always says, I am the Bendu, I am in between. You know, he could be the the guy's name could be Bendu for all we know. He could be <laughs> to himself. Uh, he could be part of an order. They, that's another one of those things they really haven't given us much definition of. More of them will show up, like a ritual or something? 
Really? See, I was thinking the other way. I wasn't thinking we're going to see a lot of these guys, except for the fact that we'd seen the promos for this episode, so we knew that they were going to get that holocron back. Still haven't figured that out. (laughs) So earlier, you were asking about Darth Maul and if he was scary looking or if he looked cool, and Jaina had an opinion on that about Darth Maul. Did he look scary? Yeah. What was so scary about him? Did he look evil? Yeah. I mean, you didn't like that because he looked evil? Yeah. Yeah, she did. Yeah, okay. she did. <laughs> yes. I feel like, um, from what I got, that Bendu, uh, it was sort of like a, a tribe, it kind of sounds like, and it feels like he is one of the last ones, and he calls himself Bendu, but I'm really not sure. You know, what I find is, how is the Bendu on, I think the planet is Adelon, is how they pronounce it, that was there a reason why... Bendu is there. Does that planet have some sort of connection to the Force? It just happens to be a lucky spot that they got sent to. I, I they still haven't really answered that. I well, think it d- does have some tie to um, the connection of the Force, as Kanan seems to have like a stronger relationship with it there. Yeah, I feel like he's gonna be like the Yoda or the Obi Wan to Kanan, cause he I. Don't feel like he's going to be there, like, every single episode, but I feel like when in the time of need for them and stuff, he would be the one they would go to to get the wisdom and stuff. I definitely agree with you on that, because he's already given some advice to Kanan, some some very useful advice that um, he's probably going to use, like, don't fear the biter things, I don't know what those are called, and that an object is just an object it doesn't actually make you evil so i do think he's gonna give a lot of wisdom not in every episode he's not gonna be in every episode yeah i, I agree yeah uh something like that so the bendu does help kanan and ezra get back together right i mean ezra's been feeling bad about he feels responsible for kanan for his master getting blinded by darth maul and they finally have a moment inside this cave surrounded by all these crazy looking spiders, these huge spiders. But they have a moment where Kanan tells Ezra that it's not his fault that he got blinded and he needs to just move on and forgive himself. And Ezra calls Kanan master. And we haven't heard Ezra call Kanan master since maybe mid-season, season two, right? He's kind of been trying to do his own thing since then. But he kind of goes back into the fold they give each other a hug, and we know that Master and Padawan are back on the same team. I'm getting you back on track. That was really cool. I mean, there's a lot about this episode that dealt with balance. Uh, and I really liked, you know, the Bendu was commenting to the little snail about how, you know, they're going to come out more balanced. But it was the balance between the Master and the Padawan. I don't feel like Ezra himself is balanced. That He's still working towards that. But there is definitely an angle there at play. Maybe the Bendu were like, they had a bigger tribe, but half of them or something died out. There was that angle there that that really worked. I mean, when he came down and he wanted to help Ezra, you know, I like the fact that he took the the lightsaber. You know, he was like, you're going to go down there and you're going to go on attack. You need to be peaceful, you know, because he now understands that aspect. And while that's going on, there was this great moment for the listeners and the viewers of the show where we get to watch as Maul figures out that the rebels are using the ghost as their home. And he has this great running commentary about each one of them. You know, ooh, that smell. How colorful. 
beautiful. Oh, dull <laughs> tower chamber. These are the chambers of a Jedi. You know, like, I mean, everything about it, like he was analyzing the group and breaking them down and figuring out more about who they are and how they operate. I wonder where Maul got those, like, bots that had the guns that were making sure the crew didn't get away and break free and stuff. Well, he definitely didn't get them from the Mandalorians, which I, which was another great comment when he turns to Sabine and he's like, the Mandalorians, you should of all people trust me. So going back to when they were in the caves with the Bendu and stuff, and Kanan is blind and stuff, it can also make actual life. It makes all your other senses make it speed up better, but not... Yeah, make your other senses more sensitive. Yeah, so maybe that's why he understand and see the Bendu without actually seeing him. I watched through that I realized that the Bendu's hand really quickly came out and grabbed the thumper and broke it in half. And they're still looking around and they can't see him. And I was like, wait a minute, I missed that the first time. Like, you know, the one hand was quick. And when you think about all the dirt that falls off of him, the fact that he didn't make a sound or anything, that was pretty cool. It's like Bendu, let it go with it, okay? We brought another one, let it go. He just snaps it. It reminds me of like how Yoda is going through Luke's food, you know, my food, my food. And he's like messing around with, with R2-D2. I guess old creatures who are connected to the forest have to find some way around the downtime and they play pranks on people. <laughs> a great moment was when Darth Maul was with Hera and he's in uh, Kanan's room and he uses the force to look inside Hera and he sees Caleb Dune's name and the fact that he stole the holocron. Now this is actually a reference to Marvel's Kanan the Last Padawan comic where we learn about how Kanan escapes Order 66, how he gets that holocron and why he ditches the name Caleb Dune. And the fact that Maul pulls all of this out of Hera was really great. It's, it it kind of shows us what we see in episode 7 where Kylo Ren does the same thing to Rey and then Rey turns around and does the same thing to Kylo. Yeah, what do you think about that new power, Padawans? Is that the power that you think you'd like to have? Yeah. Oh, that. yeah. <laughs> I thought it was, would be really cool. It'd yeah. be cool to have, but it wouldn't be useful in most situations. I thought it showed uh, how deceptive Maul was. Like, he could really get into the minds of people and understand them. Yeah, and Hera's supposed to be really strong-willed, right? She's the leader of the group. It didn't seem like... He had to try that hard. It almost seemed like Cad Bane was more strong-willed than Hera, and I thought Hera was had the wheel of steel. Apparently not. Well, it kind of reminds you of the line that Kenobi's ghost says to Luke, you know, guard your feelings, your insights serve you well, but they could be used against you. Uh, you know, and that's and that's against another Jedi who should be trained against those type of mental attacks. A legends thing that we get is in Darth Bane, where Darth Bane and the Sith they would go through these type of attacks against each other and other Jedi all the time. And so one of the first things they learned was how to throw up these mental barriers to close that off. Uh, that's granted that's something that's legends, but that's also something that they can bring over. And we could see something like that in that regard, which would explain why Hera was basically completely vulnerable to that kind of attack. How did Kanan start to freeze in outer space when Maul kicked him out? Oh my god, that was such a great scene. I'm glad you brought that up. That was that was when Maul was telling Kanan 
he didn't mean to blind him. And Kanan had the great, yeah, you were just trying to kill me. And Maul, Maul opens the light, the lock, the airlock to outer space and is like, oh, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And I got to admit, during that moment, I almost thought this was it for Caleb Dune. I really did. And what you saw, Gavin, is he's out in outer space and he's actually in a very low uh, atmosphere. There's very little atmosphere there at all. And he was starting to freeze over immediately. There's not enough heat out there. There is no heat at all. No, when he gets into the actual hangar, he was starting to cover with ice. He was freezing over. This is also something Legends has played with in older books. So we had books like Heir to the Empire where Luke Skywalker was stranded in space and Mara Jade found him through the Force like Leia did, and he jumps from his X-Wing onto a ship, and a similar thing happened then. But why was Maul's ship on the outside and not in the lock thing? And what type of ship did Maul have? Maul was locked to the outside because it was a big ship like the Ghost. So he was on the outside of it. Uh, the Ghost was parked on the inside, I believe. Well, he's probably. I would think he probably snuck up on the ship, maybe, and he didn't want to announce it. But that was a good question. What kind of ship is that? It looks like a Mandalorian. It's totally a Mandalorian fighter ship, ship right? Colors. I think so, yeah. See... Seeing Maul here now for the second time in Rebels brings up a lot of questions for me. And I know it does for the Padawans as well, because the last time we saw Maul was in Rebels, excuse me, was in the Clone Wars. He was being captured by Sidious. And Sidious says, I'm not going to kill you. He was be Maul was begging for his life. Sidious says, I'm not going to kill you. I have other plans for you. And then... Clone Wars went off the air, and then we've seen Maul here now in Rebels. Between that time, there's a big gap of what happened to Maul. He's not in Episode 3. We don't see him around when Order 66 happens. So somewhere from when Sidious captured him at the end of the Clone Wars series to when we see him in Rebels, there's a big gap. Yeah, we see a couple little stories like that in Legends that they've you know, they, they were intended to be the tail of that. Uh, you know, and another thing, Jenna, she wanted to talk about was the moment when Darth Maul captures the ghost crew. She was very worried for Sabine. Sabine got captured at his ship and then he got on ship and then then Ezra got his friend. Yeah, and... and Here's Taylor for translation for all of you that don't know Jaina Sophia or Jaso as we call it. So what she was saying that Sabine got captured with all her friends and that then they uh, ran off and defeated the droids, took off on a ship. So yeah, that was translation for Jaso. And back to the regular program. You know, that was cool. That was almost as cool as like Hondo speaking Ugnot. That's really cool. Or C-3PO translating for Huttese or whatever. You know, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Another cool line that we got. We got a lot of really cool lines from Kanan about, you know, he's been forced to see things differently since Malachor. Uh, when the holocrons touch, we finally get to see what things look like. I mean, I was just asking this last episode. I wanted to see things from his point of view, and we finally got that. That was a, a great moment there. You know, everybody else is shirking away from the light, and he just walks through because it's not affecting him the way it is everyone else. That was my favorite part of the episode. You know what it does? It opens to the fact that Kanan's eyesight now 
is directly connected to the force. Because of the force use, the force power that those holocrons were emitting, he was able to see through this kind of like, what did you call it, Jordy LaForge vision or something like that, you know, predator vision. But it was like an inverted color vision. But because of the force, he can see. So will he be able to see force ghosts? Will he be able to see force waves? Who knows? This, this opens up a huge possibility for Kanan. That's a very good point. Well, it was kind of like how snakes see. Snakes have the heat vision and stuff. And so when he saw them, and so that's how Kanan was kind of able to see them. Well, actually, Kanan actually says it there at the end. Like, oh, you can see now. And he said, no, I was able to see through the light of the holocrons. Uh, and then at the end, actually, the holocrons may have been destroyed through the act because there was glass shards all along the holocrons there at the end. When the whole stuff, like, blew up, um, Sabine, like, woke up really fast. Okay, so here's how it went. So this part, like, annoyed the crap out of me, and he's only saying this because of it, it annoyed the crap out of me. I don't know why, but it just stuck out to me, like, the most out of the entire episode. After the bright flash of light and stuff and shot everybody back apparently maul got up and took off and sabine just got up really fast and it just went so fast and it's just i don't know why but it just super annoys me i don't know why they call that a pet peeve did that annoy you jacob that maul comes in here causes all this havoc for our heroes and then just walks away scot-free yeah i mean it was kind of like well i hate you guys i'm gonna Get that information from the holocron. Hmm, now that I can't get it, I think I should just leave. It, it was uh, it was almost as if he was trying to just get out of trouble, and it feels like he's going to come back. It feels like Maul is going to be a main villain in the season. Oh, he's definitely coming back. Now let's talk about what Ezra and what Maul actually saw. Now there's a lot of things going on around there on the webs about... What did Maul see? What did Ezra see? Who were they going to reintroduce? As Padawans, when you heard Maul say he was looking for hope, and Ezra says that he sees two sons, and Maul says he lives as Actually, Padawans. He says he lives later. He, when, when Ezra says twin sons, Maul goes, it's you. And then when he gets on the ship, he says it li he lives. But at first he says it's you. And he says it really quick and quiet. So as Padawans, was that a little confusing for you? Or who do you think that Maul and Ezra saw? I think that um, when Maul said he lives, like at the end, I think maybe they're bringing back Obi-Wan or maybe Maul's brother. No, see, I thought it was pretty clear that Savage got cut in half, like, in front of him. I thought that that was pretty clear. Remember Darth Maul got cut in half as well. He yeah. Survived. Oh, dang it! Lucas! You got me again! I'm against the wall here. Maul does say he references to Ezra that the Empire, they asked him if he was Sith, and he said, the Sith, the Sith has taken everything from me. They've taken my family. So... That kind of says that Savage Opress is dead. And I don't think there was anybody anybody there to save him because, again, he gets kidnapped by Sidious and who knows what happened. Who knows how he escaped from Sidious? You think it's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Well, who do you think Ezra saw? Do you think Ezra saw Obi-Wan as well? I'm not exactly sure what I feel, but when I heard two sons, all I was thinking was Tatooine, Luke Skywalker. That is all I was thinking. 
Exactly. That's exactly what I thought, too, is that he, he lives, he lives, and that might be a reference to Force Awakens, because, you know, you get to see Luke at the end, but, oh, spoilers, but then he says two sons, and if you look at the subtitles, the sons is spelled S-U-N, you know, two sons, so on Tatooine, two sons, Luke's home planet, I don't know, it just leans towards that, that's, that's what I was thinking. I felt like they were having the same vision. I don't think they were having two separate visions. I think it was the exact same one. And maybe they would understood it differently because one's a Sith and the other one's a, like, apprentice, a Padawan. <laughs> uh, but, like, they just, it was the same vision and it just might have been saw differently from each of them. Wow. You know, I never consider that they saw the same thing i thought ezra in my opinion ezra saw luke because he was looking his truth was looking for a way to defeat the sith and we know that luke is a big part of that and but then again maul was looking for hope and we know that episode four is called a new hope who's the new hope it's luke so they definitely saw tatooine and i think that they saw, because who's on Tatooine guarding Luke? Do you Padawans know that? I actually wonder where Ahsoka is. Is she, like, on another mission, or is she just hiding in a hut or something? Ahsoka. <laughs> who knows? Ahsoka could be out there, too, helping Ben. She might but, be recovering. That would be interesting. Like, okay, so if Ahsoka shows up on Tatooine, I may pee in my pants, because <laughs> if Gavin brought that to life somehow, like, Ahsoka's the last person I would expect to be on Tatooine. I, I'm, i like, in that moment where I can just see, I can just see my dad <laughs> just, like, sitting in our big recliner. What about you, Jaina? Who do you think's hiding on Tatooine? I don't know. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Jaina. Do you want to see Luke in Rebels? Do you want Luke to show up? Yeah. Well, you know, okay, so for me, you know, guys, I'm the Legends fan, and there was a story in Legends that didn't even fit into its own continuity. Uh, and it was in the Star Wars Visionaries comic, and it was the story Old Wounds. Now, elements of this story have come across already in the Clone Wars. When Darth Maul came back, he started out, he had those robotic uh, spider legs. And then they transformed them into those legs that looked kind of like General Grievous's with the claw legs. Those legs were the style of legs that Maul had in the comic Old Wounds. Now, the only difference with Old Wounds was that Maul had survived, he had gotten robotic legs, and he came back hey how about that lucas took that same premise okay so there are ways that that came across in old wounds maul was trying to get revenge on kenobi but luke was there on tatooine and he was going to kill luke to hurt kenobi kenobi ends up engaging maul and in the fight maul gets his arm cut off maul is on the ground and he strikes out with the force and slams kenobi with the dark side so kenobi feels all this rage and anger and these emotions and maul is realized or Kenobi realizes that Maul's head on the ground has Kenobi's blade sitting right behind it and that Kenobi can reach into the force and activate the blade and kill Maul right now and end it all. But before he has a chance to act, right then in that moment, a bullet blows Darth Maul's head and Darth Maul dies. And you find out Owen Lars just saved Ben Kenobi's butt because he sighted down on Darth Maul while Darth Maul was 
you know, tied up with Kenobi. So we have that angle that that could be what's at play here, that Maul saw Kenobi as alive and that Ezra was looking for the weapon to destroy the Sith. Maul was looking for a hope. That weapon to destroy the Sith is Luke Skywalker, who is also the new hope of the Jedi, like Barrett was saying. And so maybe Maul knows about Kenobi and Luke, and we're going to see the old wound story kind of play out in a new form in canon now. And I'm already seeing a lot of people online saying, well, he can't meet Luke, right? Because Luke doesn't know anything about the Force. He does know about the Force. He knows about the Jedi. He knows about the Force. There's not anything. I went back and watched a couple snippets of Episode 4. There is nothing. There's nothing in Episode 4 where Obi-Wan is explaining to Luke about the Force where Luke has no idea what the Force is. He basically, Obi-Wan basically says to Luke, you must come with me and learn about the Force and be a Jedi like your father. And Luke doesn't say, what's the Force? What's a Jedi? He knows all about that. So he could definitely come in contact with Darth Maul, a Sith. And he could definitely see a fight between, you know, Obi-Wan and Darth Maul. It, it, it totally can make sense. It totally can happen. And it doesn't change anything about what we know about Luke in episode four. I would I would almost argue though that he's not going to see Kenobi fighting. He's going to see Kanan or Ezra fighting. Um, I have a feeling they're all going to end up on Tatooine. I I have a feeling if Maul's going to be sticking around, Maul's not going to be around for long, or Maul's going to find a way to slink off and disappear. But I think by moving the story on to Tatooine, it does give you that chance to involve Kenobi in the show in a way that is is very solid. In a way that I, I think, aside from like what Marvel's doing, where Luke has stumbled across Kenobi's old journal, there are very few ways that you could do this without doing a flashback-type story. And this is the only way you can do it in a live aspect. Like, you know, hey, the ghost crew is here, Kenobi's here, you know, the Jedi, they run into Kenobi, Kenobi tells them a little bit more information. And again, this also plays into things from Legends, because we have the uh, series that was uh, The Last of the Jedi, and then we have uh, the last, I believe it's the last Jedi with Ferris Olin, who uh, also was, in in a lot of ways, was Kanan's type of uh, position. You know, he was the the rival type Padawan that ended up being lost on his own and surviving Order sixty six, and then runs into Ben Kenobi. And in that book series, Kenobi leaves Tatooine to help Ferris on a couple missions, and Ferris sets up an underground basically an underground railroad for Jedi. And he's trying to get as many Jedi as he can to safety. And he understands what's going on with Kenobi and what Kenobi's trying to do. And by the end of that book series, Ferris goes to Alderaan and in a sense is the Jedi Order's answer to Kenobi on Tatooine. Because Bale took her, Leia, and had no force training, Ferris goes to Alderaan to be Bale's Jedi on the scene to be there to help protect, and he ended up dying when Alderaan got destroyed. That's a really cool legend story that we could, in a sense, also incorporate into these guys' story. I think you have a point there that it could be Ezra that Luke sees fighting and sees the green lightsaber and decides, oh, I want to make mine green now. Because he never saw Yoda pull out his lightsaber and show him green when he was training with him on Dagobah. So he had to get the idea of green somewhere. So why not Ezra, which would be really cool. And speaking of the lightsaber real quick, when they when the Bendu looks down at the lightsabers and says, which was a really funny line, 
that either they'll come back together, they'll get eaten, and such is the way. I got a really good close-up look at Ezra's new lightsaber. And it is a cross between Obi-Wan, Vader, and Luke. It has the spiral of Luke's Return of the Jedi lightsaber. It has the, the big ball on the bottom of Obi-Wan's lightsaber. And it has that little extra piece of Darth Vader's lightsaber. So I think it's an amalgam of all three. And I wanted to ask you guys, the Padawans, again, did you notice Darth Maul's lightsaber? Is that Savage Opress's lightsaber? That Darth Maul has? I don't think it was. I, I might I may be wrong. I didn't pay enough attention. Same. I don't I, think it was. I wasn't quite paying attention to the lightsaber at the moment. Yeah, I'm focused on the action besides the lightsaber. Because Savage Opress's lightsaber wasn't yellow, it was red, and it had that extra like hook on both ends, and it was originally double bladed, but I think it got cut in half. I think that that is Savage Opress's lightsaber. I might have to check that out. Maybe that's something we could ask Nathan P. Butler on the continuity corner. You know, that is a good question for Nathan. You should put that down that we should do that because I, that made me go back in my mind to the Clone Wars. Like, okay, you know, I as far as I remember, I know Gavin and me are disagreeing here, but I thought Sidious kills Savage in front of Maul I just don't remember if he destroyed the lightsaber in that moment. I know he ended up taking the darksaber, which adds mystery to Sabine having it in trailer shots of season three. And hopefully we'll get more of that story to find out how she gets it or the Mandalorians get it or whoever gets it from Sidious gets it back. Cause that, that was one of those angles. See, and, and, and for you Padawans, you know, you guys don't have the added lore that me and Barrett have, so you guys are always forgiven when you don't catch these things. What's going to be really fun is when you start to catch these things. Like, when we're sitting here recording and Pharaoh's like, ooh, ooh, hey, Mark, did you notice, though, on that on that two-seater A-wing that it had the same logo that the ghost and the uh, phantom ship have tattooed on the belly? And I'll be like, no, Pharaoh, I didn't notice that. I'm glad you caught that. Good, that's a good, good observation. Thanks for pointing that out. So, you know, as you guys grow in your fandom, these will be the things you guys will be noticing, too. Or the lack of a, a jetpack for uh, Sabine, as Barrett always notices. Or how many times Chopper dropping the uh, f bomb. He does that a lot too. Like every 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 time <clears throat> in the in the first episode of season three, they they didn't let him sit in the ship or whatever, and he's just Is it so, Padawans? When you're hearing Chopper, is that definitely he's using profane language? <laughs> I can't say definitely, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. I wish they had a website that translates everything droids say so we, we know exactly what they are. Yeah, that would be so cool. Just last week, there's this kid at my school, and we kind of got into this argument of who knows more Star Wars. <gasps> no way! And, well, so he was just going off on uh, what he knows and stuff, and then I brought up Chopper, and I asked him, did he, did you know that he cusses? And he just like kind of froze there. And my best friend, Sam, she, her, she, the way she reacted, because the bell had just rang, was, was the funniest thing ever. I wish I could just take like a picture and have it for, for my uh, phone and stuff. But like her face was just like, oh no, she didn't. Because <laughs> we were talking about this earlier that day. And it, it was just like the, one of the funniest things I had seen. I love it having Star Wars arguments at school. I love it. Going to Tatooine in Rebels opens up a whole new world. We could see Jabba, we could see the Cantina, 
<gasps> Boba Fett. We could see Boba Fett. Django. We could see. Well, Django's gone. Oh. But we could see. Catman. Anybody. We, yeah, bounty hunters. You know, any. We can see anybody in the land of, of scum and villainy. So it opens up a whole different thing. Not only that, we could see a rebel styled speeder. We could see rebel styled cantino aliens i mean there it opens up a whole new world for them to go back and i think probably we'll be seeing obi-wan and them show up towards the end of the season you know Baron, in the last episode we were talking about how filoni at El, uh, celebration anaheim during the untold clone wars panel was talking about the relationship cad bane was going to have with boba fett and because Clone Wars was canceled when it was, they weren't able to tell that. And he had been very clear that when people had mentioned Cad Bane showing up on the show, they didn't want it to be the Clone Wars, uh, you know, version 2.0. So he wasn't a character we would see. But we could see, like you're suggesting, Boba Fett show up, and we could have Boba do some mentioning about how he tutored under Cad Bane. And, you know, well, maybe we just found out Cad Bane died or Cad's doing something else. But it could be just one of those comments that's thrown around in the background. Or even have Hondo show up and have that be the transition where they're talking about Slave One. I love that idea. Where was Thrawn in the whole episode? Thr- Thrawn was it? I like to watch stars all the time. You like to watch Star Wars all the time. So you could tell that in my family comic book store and star wars are important that if the four-year-old that's what she remembers from her day it's when bendu laughed after he uh he said the jedi is back with his apprentice i don't know why but his laugh caught me and it just made me laugh because of the way he did it bendu was talking about how uh with the holocron's holocron's uh touch and what it would do he said he had seen it before and i was curious to to know where he had seen it before. I had never thought of that before, but that is definitely something that makes me go, what the heck? She's right. I think Bendu was saying that he did it before, and maybe that's the reason why he's in exile. I think maybe he put two Colocrons together, and he's the one who saw the Force. Because if you look at the Bendu's eyes, they're very similar to Kanan's eyes. Bendu might be blind himself, for all we know. Uh, Something I noticed is that he said that when the holocrons are combined, it says that wisdom is added. And it seems he knows a lot about, like, the Force. And I have to agree with what uh, Barrett said. He knows a lot about the Force. He yeah. might be blind himself. We actually, I guess, I guess I got a really good look at the Bendu this time. And I see that he kind of looks like a cross between a moose and a bear kind of thing without the hair. So he's getting to be weird, but I, I agree with you. That was one of the things that I had too in my notes, Taylor, was that laugh. This is the second time we got a creepy laugh from this Bendu character. What was up with that laugh, man? Final thoughts on the episode, Padawans. Why don't you go ahead and give us your final thoughts? Uh, Jacob, since you're the special Padawan guest, what are your final thoughts on the episode? Uh, I thought it was an excellent episode. Um, and I just thought it had a lot to reveal, and it had many relationships that it shared. And I hope we see more episodes like this in the future. So at first, I was all, eh. Like, I felt like there was, there's been better episodes and stuff. But now that I've actually talked about it and stuff, I feel like this is a really good episode. It brought in a lot of things that, like... I was curious about, like, for instance, Maul being a half-droid at one part. 
because he was metal and stuff. I didn't realize that, and then I found that out. And so, yeah, it had a lot of good information about all the characters for and for Sabine. Sabine, right? She was half, she's Mandalorian. But yeah, now that I've thought about it and stuff, I actually really liked this episode. It was an excellent episode, like Jacob said. Did you like it a lot, Jaina? Yeah. Was it was it five stars or five fingers? And it was five stars. Oh, nice. Awesome. Okay, Farrah, what about you? I thought this was a really cool episode, and for the amount of screen time, you know, the Rebels had, it, it, it was a lot to offer in this episode. You got to see Darth Maul and what he's doing, like he captured the Rebels and how the Rebels are getting saved, and you get to just learn a lot about the Bindu, and I, I, I like this episode. It was a good episode. Yeah, for me, it was a really good episode, and you bring up a good point this episode only went for about 21 22 minutes so it wasn't a long episode by any stretch i mean we've gotten 27 minute episodes sometimes 25 minute episodes this had a couple extra minutes cut off but it really sets up the story of rebels it really opens it up a little bit more and i cannot wait for sabine to get back to Mandalore or the Mandalorians or whatever, Death Watch. I think we might see Bo-Katan come back. Who knows? She's got to get her hands on that dark saber. And it's just going to open up even more in this Rebels universe. You know, I, she's going to have to mention I saw Maul. You know, there there might be still Mandalorians who are still, who are still loyal, who are still loyal to Darth Maul. Who knows? I mean, in the Clone Wars, we got that cool, those cool Mandalorians with the with the Darth Maul Mando armor. You know, one of the angles I'm really excited about is the fact that when we get to Tatooine, we can find out that Sabine and Fett run into each other, and we can see how that angle plays out in a new way. I mean, we've seen Maul, we've seen Fett have angles where he's had run-ins with Mandalorians. He doesn't quite fit in with the culture. He kind of later becomes the uh, Mandalorian, uh, for the Mandalore for the Mandalorians themselves. But... In canon, we only know what we see of him from the Clone Wars, so it'll be interesting to see if those two bump into each other and what they think of each other and the culture itself. Because you know, Fett, Fett's just a clone, so he might not think of much of anything about the culture. You know, Boba Fett's kind of like the Spanish kid who doesn't speak Spanish that goes to the Quinceanera. You know, he's gonna stand out. That'll get cut out. That's bad. <laughs> To sum up my final thought, I thought it was a really good episode. I think we're getting some of the best Star Wars television ever right now. I think that Filoni and crew have really learned from the Clone Wars, and they're just giving us spectacular Star Wars. I mean, it starts feel, it definitely feels like Star Wars now. We're getting characters that we didn't get enough of in the movies. It's just exploding. I mean, Rebels is, is it right now for, for Star Wars. I mean... If you're not watching this show, you're really missing out. Mm -hmm. Some have complained about the fact that Rebels is making the Star Wars universe a little bit smaller with every episode. And while I see what they're talking about, I don't see that necessarily as a problem. In a new canon, I think that's exactly what we need. And at least this show, it's, it's forerunning that. I mean, it is literally taking that mantra and running with it. Uh, I felt this was a very solid transitional episode. Uh, like Pharaoh said, for the short amount of time, it really packed a lot on there. It focuses on the Jedi element. That's something that I really appreciate. 
Uh, we hit on all the key beats. You know, we've got the Sith, we got the Holocrons, we've got the Bendu, we got the Ghost Crew, we got Kanan's past, and we've got Ezra and Kanan's uh, in the path of their uh, the patch up of their relationship. So, you know, for me, I, I really enjoyed this all the way around. I like the fact that it hints at a trip to Tatooine. Uh, I, I think this was a great transitional episode. I love the fact that betrayal uh, and loyalty were kind of key elements to it. The the aspect of forgiveness that we see with Ezra, you know, because we know that the finale of season two was kind of weighing heavily on him and that his relationship with Kanan has started to crumble and fall apart. And we've we've secured that, you know, we've patched that up. And for these two moving forward, they're on a solid ground again. Uh, and in a way, we now have the threat of the Sith Holocron neutralized. Uh, it does appear that it's been destroyed, although we have lost the Jedi Holocron. So that avenue of knowledge is probably lost as well. Uh, but we're moving on. And I think that this, this show has done a great job of pushing the Star Wars story forward. Absolutely. I mean, the Bendu could have turned out to be Gascon in a second, but it's not. And I'm very grateful for that. Amen to that, or or puffer pig, you know, just a completely wasted character base. Uh, you know that that was something that I was I was actually excited that when they came back to the Bendu, I'm like, okay, he's going to be more than just a throwaway because when they first introduced him, I I didn't think they were going to do as much with him because I thought they were going to make him an order, and as of right now, it's like he's not necessarily an order. I mean, he could just be one guy named Bendu or a species named Bendu. We really don't know. And I think that that's kind of cool. They've left the mystery alive. What happened to the holocrons? I never really got that at the end. Did they both explode? Did Kanan take one? Did Darth Maul take one? I... It looked like they both exploded. Yeah, that was exactly what I kind of came up with. We had the, the, the flash of light. The last thing Kanan said was, remember what the Bendu said, turn back before it's too late. And Ezra started to disengage the holocrons. They started to come apart. And when they came apart, they exploded, which I think... You know, we had all the, the shards of glass underneath. It kind of shows that they've been destroyed. But I think that that's the aspect. Pardon me. I think that's the aspect that the Bendu said about how it was done once before. Because uh, I think it's a one and done. I think once you do it, you know, you've destroyed the holocrons. They're they're destroyed after that. But that held all the secrets for the Jedi and for the Sith. So I, don't, I don't really don't know how they just destroyed them that fast. But, but there's I... more holocrons out there. Yes. There's more holocrons out there. Well, and I think, too, Pharaoh, like, if it was that easy to do, to touch two holocrons together and ask any one question and get this wealth of knowledge and have it all answered, I think if you were able to do it over and over again, like a, like a cheat code for an old Nintendo game, you know, where you put in a 100 life code instead of getting three extra lives, I think this makes it a little more, you know, we can only do it once. It's a rare thing because once you do it, you've destroyed it. Uh, Legends holocrons were very, very rare, very tough to come by. And to do something like that in Legends would be a huge sacrifice because you wouldn't be seeing that lore again. Now, Legends, we don't necessarily know if holocrons aren't being made still to this day. That's one angle that we don't know about. So, you know, that could have changed. So that wraps up this episode of the Padawan's Perspective. We'd like to thank everyone for coming on and thank for all the listeners for joining us today. You can find our episodes directly on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division of Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. So for the Padawan Perspective, this has been Mark. Taylor. Gavin. Jacob. And Pharaoh. And Barrett. Saying our witty catchphrase that we always say at the end of every episode. And this is it. Bye-bye. <laughs> hey, that's pretty good.
Yeah, we got to come up with a catchphrase. So if you guys think of one, we need one. The multi-generational podcast. Multi-generational podcast that focuses on Star Wars. Thank you for listening to our show. For more content, please like our Facebook and Twitter pages. Theme song by Subconscious Tunes. Announcements by Brock. Sponsored by War Machine Marketing. Remember, you can find the Padawan Perspective and all the Star Wars Report Second Airborne Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com.